0: This video is from a spectator who was meters away from where Shinzo Abe was talking in Nara on July 8th. A couple of days have passed but it's still hard to say out loud. On July 8th, Shinzo Abe died after being shot. The former prime minister and longest serving leader of Japan bled out in the afternoon of July 8th and was declared dead at 5.03pm. He was 67 years old. Tetsuya Yamagami, 41 years old, was apprehended immediately after the shooting. This is the week of July 9th, and welcome to The Week with Japan Forward. I am Ariel Busetto. With this podcast, we bring to busy people this week's news from Japan in less than 10 minutes. This week, one of the most shocking news events happened in Japan, so we will be doing something different. This week's episode is dedicated to the news of Shinzo Abe's death. man in the video is shouting, this isn't the time and place to be taking pictures. Have a heart. How does one document the most shocking crime that the Japanese have seen in the last century? On the day of July 8th, at 11.45am, a notification came from NHK, the national broadcast. Shinzo Abe appears to be shot. At Japan Forward, we followed the events as they unfolded, just like an ashen-faced Prime Minister, Fumio Kishida, told the press that the situation was, quote, very serious. These are the voices of top leaders of the Liberal Democratic Party, who are all reacting to the news of Abe being shot. Pan forward, we put together a timeline to show how the crime took place, outlining how the suspect moved during the day. It was just at before 7 p.m. that the news broke. Shinzo Abe was dead. In shock, we followed how people in the political world at home and abroad responded to the crisis of democracy in Japan. We scrolled Twitter as leaders such as Joe Biden, Volodymyr Zelensky, and Ursula von der Leyen called the news tragic and shocking. At the same time came the tributes. Dr. Jagannatha Panda wrote our first memoir of Shinzo Abe, titling it, Indo-Pacific at Loss, in the early hours of July 9th. On July 10th, we published the reflections of Grant Newsom in his piece, Statesman and Defender, Shinzo Abe Will Be Missed. Newsom is a retired Marine who lived many years in Japan. In his article, he walks us through Abe's vision and his legacy in global relationships. He also talks of a leader who worked hard to win over domestic opposition and calls him ultimately an Otto von Bismarck compared to others that came before him. To process a bit of what has happened and to look back at Abe's legacy, I asked Newsom why he thought it was so important to write this kind of obituary.
1: One of the main reasons for me writing about uh, Mr. Abe, and I've followed him for probably 20 years now, uh, was to get across the good things that he accomplished. Uh, Mr. Abe throughout his terms as prime minister was just routinely vilified by a part of Japan's ruling class, its media, academia, the so-called commentariat, I mean just unfairly and viciously attacked constantly. Uh, even on the US side, there were, he had enemies within administrations, within government circles, He was derided as a fascist and ultra-nationalist guy looking to turn Japan back into the 1930s. None of this was true. And it distracted from more important things that the Japanese and the Americans had to work together to deal with.
0: And what are these problems that the U.S. and Japan should be dealing with?
1: A looming China. Uh, that is undergoing the biggest, fastest military build-up in history and is looking to teach the Japanese a lesson, It's looking to take Japanese territory, and it is looking to drive the Americans out of Asia, for starters. And then it looks to utterly dominate the United States and thus the rest of the free world.
0: So how would you describe some of Mr. Abe's accomplishments?
1: I believe in calling things fairly. And that's why I wanted to write something about uh, about Mr. Abe uh, to lay out his accomplishments, and they were considerable. Uh, he does have some views about history that I would differ with, uh, but that's not the issue. I um, so he was a statesman. He was smart enough to, say, keep his some of his ideas to himself and look at Japan's bigger interests, which lie in a close alliance with the United States. Uh, and I think he genuinely... Uh, like most of today's Japanese, they do just are grateful for this uh, democracy, consensual government. They, they appreciate what uh, has happened in the last 70 years and that Japan has had the opportunity to develop into really a, a bulwark of freedom. We need to appreciate how Mr. Abe was able to turn Japan around. If you remember what it was like, say, 15 years ago... Uh, The idea that Japan would actually play an assertive role in in Asia, that it would have a military that actually meant something, and that it would support not just the United States, but now it's got a bunch of other friends, other allies. These are militaries that it's willing to cooperate with. That idea was just unthinkable. But now it's almost an unrecognizable Japan in many respects. It has a long way to go, of course to get things right on that security front, diplomatic front, and needs to be optimistic about it. But also, you ask, if Mr. Abe had not come around, would that have happened? I don't think it would have. And I say credit where it's due. The idea of the Quad is the references that are being made to the free and open Indo-Pacific, which ultimately is simply a shorthand for saying that Freedom is better than the sort of a slavery and domination, and organ harvesting and black prisons and concentration camps that, uh, that the Chinese Communist Party uh, wants to impose on us. And hard to argue with that, but Mr. Abe is the one who really coined the phrase uh, and did plenty to promote it. And for that, as I say, for that he deserves credit. Now, Japan is a real ally. Uh, now to the United States, but I would say it's even more of an ally to other nations in the region that want to, as I say, to be to be free of outside domination, and that outside domination we are talking about is domination by the Chinese Communist Party.
0: So how do you think that Shinzo Abe will be remembered?
1: I don't see them sort of crawling know, curling up on a ball and uh, waiting for the Chinese Navy to sail up into Tokyo Bay and take over. I don't see that happening. Uh, and that, I think, is a good thing. So that's what I think that Mr. Abe's legacy will have been getting this big cruise liner turned around. And that takes a lot of work. And now it has some momentum and it's headed in the right direction. And I think that's going to continue. And I hope that people remember that he was the guy uh, that did it. Uh, so you know, I think we will see Mr. Abe's legacy for the foreseeable future.
0: This is still a developing story. As we record, we published an article on what we know so far on suspect Tetsuya Yamagami, the Nara resident who his classmates described as hardworking and polite. We follow also the issue being discussed in local media, including what went wrong with Abe's security and what this will all mean for Japanese politics going forward. If you want to know more, here are the articles that you might be interested in reading on Japan Forward. Asia's next page, Indo-Pacific at Loss, the Abe Memoir. What we know about Shinzo Abe's suspected assassin so far. Statement and defender Shinzo Abe will be missed. Editorial. Shinzo Abe's assassination is terrorism, a tragedy Japan should not see again. A nation in shock. The day after Shinzo Abe's assassination, questions remain. Japan's political world will never be the same with a Shinzo Abe. PM Kishida, Japan officials mourn Shinzo Abe, incredible loss of a great politician. Timeline, former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe assassinated and tragic, devastating world leaders react to Shinzo Abe's death. Thank you guys for listening. You can get in touch on Twitter with me at Ariel Buzetto. That's all for this week. Catch you next time.